Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Beisel. And I'm Vicker. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Uh, Beisel's in with us today. Uh, we don't have Berg, and I... I, I uh, Vicker's new. I didn't want to just have him and me yet. <laughs> No offense. <laughs> None taken. A little awkward. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we have uh, Pastor Beisel. Uh, if you you might recognize his voice, he was on one previous episode. So what was the name of that episode, Peter? Um, campfire on the spot. Campfire preaching or something like that. Picnic, something. Anyways, uh, so how you doing? I'm good. Good. What do you, you? This is your first time to the actual studios. What do you think of the studio? Well, it look it's very uh, square, but more like rectangular. Yeah, this is typical Bullhagen fashion. I got some some nifty sound treatment. I see that, that I've half put up and then got you, tired of it. Did you get it from the fitness center? <laughs> no, no, I actually got that on on uh, the Amazon. So okay, yeah, no, it looks nice in here. I like the quilt behind you. And uh, you're you're uh, one of our favorite emailers is off to college now, right? Yeah, yeah. She's off at uh, Concordia University, Wisconsin. Gosh, so. that's so weird. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I don't I don't know that you'll be getting many emails from her for a while. Well, well, she needs to. We're we're pretty big amongst college students, so you know she needs to spread the word a yeah. little bit. Evangelize. Um, it's been a good really our core our core demographic. <laughs> it's been a, a good, uh, was a good month last month. Uh, I think our highest, as far as downloads, our highest month yet. Um, we have, uh, probably in a few weeks, we should be up to uh, 15,000 downloads. Wow. COVID has been good good to you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that a forbidden word? It should be. COVID is good? Good, good to yeah. you. You have to be careful because Peter might take things out of context and magnify them. Oh, great, <laughs> great! Kind of, kind of like you, kind of like you do with the scriptures. That's right. So, uh, uh, I have uh, a beverage here, and and uh, I have three different versions. Now, now, uh, uh, we had a, a a dear listener. We I've been kind of highlighting everyone on my. My dietary needs. Every <laughs> once in a while. Every once in a while, yeah. And so uh, uh, I had a listener uh, suggest to look into something called uh, leaky gut. And uh, and at first my concern was wearing white shirts if my gut was going to leak. Uh, but uh, one, th- one thing I, uh, I heard that probiotics was supposed to be good. So, so uh, Laura, I got some probiotic beverages here. Mm. Um, and so I have, um, sparkling probiotic. Did you ever have one of those? Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't think so. This is, and so, uh, since you are our guest, I will let you pick which one we have. This is Kavita sparkling Pro- probiotic. There is, uh, um, uh, mojito lime mint coconut. Ooh. Hmm. There is, uh, tart cherry. And there is lemon ginger. Mm. 
Ah, uh, that's a tough decision. Uh, well, I guess I, the, the coconut doesn't sound too good, but I kind of like the idea of lime mint. Yeah. But I think I might try the tart cherry. The tart cherry. All right. Is and it, this one says kombucha. Sounds kind of like kumbaya. Yeah. Well, that's your, your hymn of the month, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Vicar. Uh, because I am the, the greatest among the servants, I'll let you choose next. Which one would you like? By the way, your office isn't too far from the bathroom, so you should be fine. Pick one. Not too worried. So, all right. He's got the, what did you get? The I think it's lemon ginger. Lemon ginger. So I've got the mojita lime uh, mint coconut. I thought it was a mojito. This must be... A feminine Maybe version. Maybe it's a feminine version. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, we're getting our live, and it's not just probiotics, they're live. We're eating live cells mm. for our guts. That sounds appetizing. So, so first, give us a little taster, uh, Beisel. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. So what do you think? It's not bad. I like the, the fizziness. Got a good fizzy. Is that flavor. tart? All right, the yeah, lemon. Not too bad. The lemon ginger, Vicar. What do you think? I don't know. It's like a flat citrus soda. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, little, I'm trying. A little disappointed, actually. My mojita, mint lime, coconut. That's not bad. I don't know if I can taste the the live. Probiotics. Is, is this going to do something to me? Is it going to? Yeah, I think the real review of these should be probably within the next twelve hours. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Is it uh, like we might my... have to do a live remote. <laughs> is it like it's not going to make an alien come out of my stomach or something? Is it or chest? No, that'll be the Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, it doesn't taste like medicine, so that's good. Yeah, it's not bad. Mine has a actually has a little bit of a pickle flavor. I don't know. So uh, what are you preaching on, Beisel? Well, I'm preaching on the same thing you're preaching on, I think, which is the uh, 13th Sunday after Trinity. And the uh, gospel for that today, I believe, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Ah, yes. Luke, uh, what is that, Luke 10? So, Vicar, you want to kind of let us know, give a little highlight of what, what the Good Samaritan is? In yeah. case some of the listeners don't know. Have, for, have forgotten their Sunday school lessons. Yeah, the parable of the Good Samaritan starts when a, uh, a young lawyer comes up to Jesus and asks uh, what he must do to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Okay, you cannot really separate the parable from this discussion, right? which a lot of people do. Yeah. Go ahead, Vicar. Yeah, so, so they get into this short discussion about what does the law say and you know, whether or not he has kept it. So then the question is, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the story of a man on the road to Jericho who is beaten up and robbed and left for dead. And along comes a priest who does not help him, a Levite who does not help him, and then a Samaritan who every good God-fearing Jew would have considered at that point to be untouchable. Right. And this man stops to help the man who's been hurt. And not only stops to help, right. but he takes him to safety, and pays for his continuing care. Right. 
the Samaritans were sort of like religious half breeds, right? right. I mean, the Jews. shock of this would be like, like uh, one of us going to like a, uh, like a congregational church and hearing good theology. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't supposed to be the one, and he's the one that helps, right? Right. Yeah. He knew, he he understood the spirit of the law without actually having the law, right? One thing that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast that that uh, if you, if you even look at the question of the lawyer, he's looking for what is a minimum I must do. Right. He's looking for that line. Right. Which is every time works righteousness is it always looks for the minimum, uh, and it's with everything. Right. Yeah. When you pay taxes, do you look for the most you can pay? Right. You ask yourself, uh, how much do I have to give to the government? Well, you know. Um, uh, whatever you think that they need. Right. Looking for loopholes. Right. You know. Right. And, but the other, the, the Samaritan is not hindered by those things. Um, there's often two takes on this parable. One is uh, thinking of who Jesus is in the parable. And uh, and who would you say is uh, Jesus? Do you, do you compare Jesus to the good Samaritan in this? Yeah, I, I definitely would see him there, and uh, part of the reason for that is the word compassion. Uh, if you look throughout Luke's gospel, very uh, often, and and actually the other gospels, Jesus uh, had compassion on the crowds because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has compassion before he feeds the five thousand, and so that that word to me is it's kind of like a a, a clue. Uh, that that Jesus wants us to see him in that uh, in that role as the the neighbor, right? And, and and really, one thing that it does is is it it confronts a lawyer by thinking you think you can keep the law, right? But you really haven't. And also, really, the the priest and the Levite were in a sense, forbidden by certain ceremonial laws from actually helping him if they wanted to go to the temple, right? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the uh, uh, the healing on the Sabbath where where Jesus confronts the Pharisees and says, which of you, if you had an, an ox or a donkey that fell in a hole, wouldn't go and, and lift him out? So they would think, that they thought that they misunderstood the law and they thought that they were keeping it by doing all these these outward ceremonial things when they were actually missing the the true nature of it mm-hmm. which was showing love and compassion which and and so therefore they thought they actually were able to they uh, could achieve it right uh and and so what's interesting too in Jesus uh response he says we'll do this and you'll live and it, there's nothing coy about that he actually means that if you do, if if you act, the law promises life to the one who does it, right? But the problem, of course, is <laughs> nobody actually does and can do it as it sh- should be done. And, and the fact that, except for Jesus, who actually did it, took our death and still lived, right? You know, binding the wounds of the of the man who was left for dead, um, taking him to the inn, paying for it, saying, "I am going to come back." Um, and certainly, uh, when Jesus asked who is the neighbor, it it reminds us that actually Christ Jesus is our neighbor. Right now, 
you know, some people might emphasize, some people might say, okay, you're not supposed to really focus on the neighbor. It's about salvation by grace and not works righteousness. But I do think in the parable, it's showing that salvation by grace is what actually leads us to be good neighbors. neighbors. It's what teaches us to love for the sake of our neighbor, not for the sake of earning something from God, right. for the sake of others. And so that's really one of the, the take-home things is, is because well, you focus on how you should be a neighbor, then you're missing the point. Well, not actually. I, th- I don't no. think that's true. I think that is a part of it. That, that's but how it, I, place it, it places it in, our, in the correct context. Exactly, yeah. And, and I used to, I remember when I used to preach on this text early on, you know, I always, I always avoided like the plague saying anything about how Christ is an example to us or even though, right. even though that's all over the Bible. Well, I remember um, ever one time <laughs> preaching this, there's a, in Fort Wayne, there was always, there's a helicopter that was kind of famous because it was one of the first helicopters for a hospital that would go out and, you know, get people and bring them into the hospital. It was called the Good Samaritan. I remember first preaching saying, that's just a horrible name because, <laughs> you know, the point of text is salvation by grace and how we're the dead person. And yeah. But, but there is something to this because first the guy, he had to first understand that he was in that condition. Mm-hmm. He was the one lying on the side of the road, and that Christ was neighbor to him. kind of reminds me of, like, the the State Farm commercials, like a good neighbor. I think I actually preached a sermon like that, like a good neighbor, Jesus oh. is there. Oh, you know what? I find those State Farm commercials creepy <laughs> because, like, <laughs> like, the ones I've been seeing, like, the State Farm agents, like, hanging out with you at your house. <laughs> or, or there's the one where the guy's on the phone with him in the middle of the night. Right. And his wife's like, who are you talking to? Uh, right. Jake. From State Farm. Oh, Jake yeah. from State Farm. I mean, but, but you know, I'll call my insurance agents when my premiums are too high or if, you know, when my children <laughs> has been in some sort of an accident. But <laughs> when it comes to... Tell me, Basil, what are you wearing? <laughs> what am I wearing? <laughs> um, I'm wearing a black shirt with a gold pectoral cross. <laughs> Oh, what am I wearing? I'm wearing khakis. I'm wearing khakis. I'm not wearing khakis. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't pick up what you were laying down there. Pete. Sorry. I, I, was too, I was too zeroed in. I was too zeroed in on, on the, the text. You know, so, but, uh, but hey, he, I noticed neither of you, by the way, are drinking your, uh, your live probiotics. I am. I, I, I'm, I'm down like a third. Look at that. Nice. Because if you guys don't finish, I'm going to have to finish them all. Well, I just took another sip, so there. But Vicar, do you realize that there are peep starving people in Africa who need probiotics? I didn't realize that was part of their diet. Anyways, so um, so yeah, I think it's just one of those texts that that gives. There's a lot to preach on. Oh yeah, and yeah. and there's lots of ways that uh, uh, of simply showing compassion, and and uh, I think that's. Don't you think compassion is kind of short right now? Yes. You know? yes. Especially as divided as our country is. How many of the one side has compassion for the other side? Yeah, there's not much of that going around. Right. So it's a, it's a wonderful text to preach. Well, the other but the other thing uh about compassion today that you that you hear is kind of with this whole mask wearing and and different protocols yeah. is that if you are really compassionate and loving you know, you kind of get this pressure, this guilt laid on you that you're not really compassionate or loving if you... You want grandma to die, Basil. Right, right, right. exactly. Um, 
So what you kind of see today is this uh, redefinition of compassion and love, making laws out of things that aren't really laws. Right. Or saying that the law of God is not compassionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Right. To, to follow the commandments, well, those are too harsh. That's judgmental. That's not very nice. And when actually the, the commandments are summed up by two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the commandment. So that is a definition by God of love and compassion. The Ten Commandments are by definition love. Right. Where people make the opposite argument. And, and, and that's the eternal will of God. Right. For all people. And it, it's not something that, uh, that it originates in God. And it's not something for man to change or alter uh, de- depending on our context or situation. So uh, I guess that this will be a good transition then to our something new I'm, I'm trying. Okay, a couple of qualifiers. Um, one is I was listening to this uh, that I made, and uh, one explanation I want to make is here is I use a term, and it's kind of a, a weightlifting term. You all right? Yeah, sorry. Just, the tartness got to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made me wince. The mold just bit you back, huh? Yeah. So I use a term, uh, a weightlifting term called uh, a silverback, which is a reference to a gorilla. Okay? The kind of gorilla that uh, will try to display its dominance by pounding its chest and puffing its muscles up. Okay? So I hear you. So that that's the term that I, I use that people maybe... They not may not understand, okay? So um, uh, I want to warn the listener, this, uh, this new segment might be considered toxic masculinity, <laughs> okay? But uh, um, it goes nicely with, I think, our parable. So um, it's called uh, a new segment that I'm trying out called Bench Press Parables. Why don't you go ahead and play that for us, Pete? Bench Press Parables, a story that is swell with a meaning that is heavenly. Hero lifting, what is it? The gym is crowded with fellow lungs walking around wearing skull caps, gallon jugs of water, and screaming at iron plates like they just stole their car stereo. There is one bench leg, what do you do? Well, if you have to ask, Sell your Peloton to your vegan neighbor and go to a real gym. It's time to max out and show these posers who the real silverback is. (laughs) FAQs. Do you warm up? No. Do you use a spotter? No. Do you use good form? Who cares? Do you do it quietly? No. You breathe loud, you grunt loud, and you re-rack the metal like you just dropped a smart car. Do you get stronger? No. Will you injure yourself? Maybe. If that's your concern, go to Planet Fitness. Is the point to get huge? No. The point is to say to the world, I am huge. (laughs) The Pharisees in the Bible are the OG hero lifters. The Ten Commandments, not enough. Throw some weight on it. Fasting? Disfigure your face. Is it time to tithe? 
Make sure everyone in the temple knows who the real Silverback is. Here's the problem. God doesn't care about how much you bench, brah. You might be the most jacked dude in the Freak Factory, but you will still get crushed when hit by a Mack truck. Instead of hero lifting, impressing everyone with your ripped piety, be concerned about your neighbor rather than outlifting him. Be honest, you cannot outbend sin, death, and hell. To be the hugest dude in the gym and the most pious bro on the block is like being the best snowflake on the surface of the sun. When Jesus came to our grimy muscle house gym, and fought through the bros and made it to the last bench, he was crushed the weight that you could never lift. And as he rolled the stone away, he essentially told the devil to bench press this. <laughs> so why hero lift when you already have the king? Thanks for listening. This has been Bench Press Parables. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Oh, it was, it was very um, interesting. <laughs> I, don't know what, I, I don't know what to say. I, I got that idea from words. listening to, to issues, etc. Oh, uh, okay. Peter, what do you think? Did you learn something? I, I, I learned that I have to use that sound effect more. <laughs> that is a pretty good sound effect. The crashing? Yeah, of course. I, I my wife I played it for my wife last night. She said this is the worst one yet, and the crashing noise isn't necessary. <laughs> and my daughter said the crashing noise was the best part. <laughs> I don't know, but I concur. But I thought um, turn this back up here. I thought uh, the message went well with our our text. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in, in you, had, you, you had Jesus in there. You know, you yeah, had, you had him. I, although the the image of him being this uh, sort of Hulk uh, silverback doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really fit no, quite no, well no, with, see, with the Isaiah listening. Isaiah fifty three, you know, the whole you know weak suffering servant guy. But that's okay. If you listen closely, it was the Pharisees who were trying to be the silverbacks. True, the true. hero lifters, which means the whole point of when you're crowded right. gym, you got to lift as much as possible and grunt it out so everyone is impressed. Oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. Okay. I, I just might, might have to listen well, to it When Jesus went and took that plasp out of the bench, he was crushed uh, by the weight of our sins, and he still came out alive. Nice. I, I, I didn't catch that part, I guess. Well, you know, it is... I, the... I've, I've been told, I've been told <laughs> that, that I'm not always the greatest listener. So... My attention spans are probably about, you know, 30 seconds. Well, you know, I, I've noticed that parables can be misunderstood sometimes. So, um, but that was the first installment of Bench Press Parables. Successful. You like it? Vicar, do you understand it? Yeah. Reminded me a bit of that classic SNL skit. We are I was expecting yeah, I was ex- I was expecting a very stout Arnold Schwarzenegger accent going on, but ooh, that could add add to it. Yeah, uh, well, you know what though, I thought about doing that, but then um, 
I know in 10 years or so, it's going to be offensive to try and talk like Austrians. Oh, that's true. Appropriation. And, and cultural I don't appropriation. Be canceled. Yep. Too late. I already canceled you. <laughs> this podcast alone, if we're that sensitive, that we've got at least three or four sound bites that could get you uh, canceled. Probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just thought that that would be good to fit with our text. Yeah, could I make one more quick point about that text that we didn't bring out? Sure. Um, because I, I, I tend to, to go this direction because it's uh, – and it, it's taking it from a sort of level one literal look at it to more of a spiritual allegorical. Mm-hmm. How does it apply? And I guess I've, I've always seen the church and the ministry in this because Christ, as the Samaritan, takes the man to the inn – which could be the house of God, he places him in the care of an innkeeper. And right. he, he gives the innkeeper two denarii, which when you think about it, that's only like two days' wages. It doesn't look it right, isn't that? Yeah. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't look impressive. Uh, he gives that to them, him, and he says, whatever else you spend, uh, I will repay you when I return. And so it kind of reminds me of how pastors – are the innkeepers who are given the word and the sacraments to care for the church of God, to care for those who are being healed by Christ. Um, and that uh, it also reminds me of when the disciples asked Jesus, well, we've given up all this. What, are, what do we get? And Jesus says, uh, truly I say to you, whatever you have lost or given up, how, you know, if you've given up houses and wives and families, you will be repaid you know, fourfold or whatever it is in the life to come. Right. And so it kind of reminds me of that when he says, whatever else you spend, so there's a sacrificial element there, mm-hmm. spending of yourself, giving of yourself, your life perhaps, mm-hmm. I you know, will be repaid. But I do see the church and ministry there, um, that this is where, this is the house of healing. Right. Um, and uh, this is where Christ continues through his innkeepers <clears throat> to care for the church of God. And he doesn't leave us empty-handed. Right. And and what he gives us to use might seem meager to some. Right. Yeah, it, unimpressive on an outward, uh, or, or by appearance, but right. yet more, there's more that meets the eye. Right. All right. So uh, that brings us to the top 12 list. All right. Someone want to say it? Hey, Peter, play the intro. <laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. The top 12 list today is, um, it's kind of a simple one, but uh, it's top 12 ways to be a good listener to the sermon. Very good. I already did um, an episode of the top 12 pet peeves of preaching that I had that was kind of aimed at pastors, but this this is, uh, so, uh, so if you're a listener of a sermon, okay, these are 12 ways that uh, one can help you listen, things that will be helpful uh, surrounding the sermon to help you understand it. And uh, um, because if you really think about it, sometimes someone might think to themselves, well, I didn't get much out of ser- the sermon today. Well, if you preach God's word to you, whose fault is that? It, so, could, it could be the preachers. It though. could be, right. <laughs> but... And, and that's one, I actually addressed that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It could be the hearers. Definitely. Yeah. Hearers. So, so this is, it could be applied both to preacher and listener alike, but <laughs> it's really the listener to help them 
uh, what are some things I can do to be a good listener? Yeah, it could, all, it could be the preacher, especially if he's preaching in a different language without a translator. Right. That, w- that wouldn't be helpful. Right. All right, lay it down. All right, number 12. Number 12. Uh, look at uh, the, the readings for the upcoming Sunday beforehand during the week. Uh, so chances are um, you follow electionary. If, if your church doesn't follow electionary, then... Uh, um, maybe you can ask your pastor, hey, could we do a lectionary? You know, I'm tired of hearing uh, your favorite passages over and over again, or your pet peeves, or someone who made you angry that made you pick a text. Why don't we follow a lectionary? Yeah. Uh, and that gives you a chance then uh, to look look that week <coughs> at, uh, at the text, which will help you think about it and uh, be ready to listen. Maybe you have some questions. So you'll be ready to listen for answers to questions that you might have when you're reading the text on your own or with your family. So good idea. And you know, if you, if you, if you, you don't feel like doing all the reading, you could just listen to the clerical areas podcast. Well, that's, we kind of give you a heads up. Don't, don't we? That's actually number 13 would be listen regularly to the clerical Heirs podcast. Right. All right. Number 11, pay attention to how your pastor understands and approaches the text. You know, sometimes when you're looking at scripture on your own, it can be kind of frightening as a layperson. Well, what 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 can I do to understand this better? Well, every time, every Sunday, what your pastor does is he helps you and walks you through understanding the text. So, so you can see how the pastor always directs a text to Christ, how he directs it to forgiveness of sins. And you can see how he approaches a text for a good understanding. So you may not know the the Greek or the Hebrew. You may not be able to study quite like your pastor does. But at the same time, you can you can look at how he approaches a text and how he understands it and how he applies it, and use those same things to help you understand other parts of Scripture on your own. So so take note of how uh, your pastor explains and understands the text and applies it, and then kind of teaching you to do that on your own as well. Number 10. Uh, ask your pastor for clarification. Do I say something that's hard to understand? Yeah. Sometimes I'm physically hard to understand because I slur my words. I get ahead of myself, you know. I was telling Vicar the other day, you know, I think my strong point is delivery, but I can be sloppy, just my personality, you know. Um so if you have a question, um, uh, a pastor loves, behind the collar moment, a pastor loves to talk about his text. And, and if, some, if you don't understand something, one, that also helps the pastor as well. That's something that we tuck away in our minds and we say, oh, I guess I might have, I could have been more clear. Right. To say, well, that's not quite what I said, but that's how the listener understood it. So... Um, the problem isn't necessarily you didn't understand. The problem could be maybe I didn't preach it clearly enough for you. Yeah, yeah a good example of that was when I did a whole sermon series on confession, private confession and absolution during Lent. Yeah. And then somebody afterward uh, said that they that I they thought that I was going to force them to go to private confession, which I, I have no idea how they could have gotten that. <laughs> because, But so, you know, I had to make sure I clarified that. Right. In future sermons that, 
and under no circumstances would that even be Lutheran, right? To force somebody to go to private confession. Because right? as soon as you do that, what's the question going to be? Well, how many times do I have to exactly. go? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do that. <laughs> Number nine. Re read or re listen to sermons that struck a chord with you. Um, now, for our my sake, uh, we we put our sermons on our website so you can download them or listen to them again because you don't really want to read what I have written down necessarily. Uh, you've seen my sermons, haven't you? <laughs> Scribbles. <laughs> P- pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I know. But uh, I do uh, make an audio version of that available. Do you do something like that too if someone wants a copy of the sermon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I type all of mine out anyway, so I could give them a hard copy. But they can also watch the video. It's on our you know on our website too. And, and what that does is um, if there is a, a sermon that really struck a chord and gave you a lot to think about, to store that away because chances are it might be good for you to hear that again or to be reminded of it. So so uh, make use of those. The technology is an amazing thing that we can do that now. So so really, uh, most, most pastors or most places, you have that option of either at least getting a written copy or an audio copy of the sermon. So make use of that. Number eight. Take notes. It's kind of an odd thing to say. People might say, well, I'm not in confirmation anymore. But uh, you might actually listen better if you're taking notes. You actually might be more engaged. Yeah, you're actively, because to take notes, you've got to actively be processing what is being said. Right, right. And 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 uh, I think a lot of times as listeners, uh, listeners right now are tend to be well, I listen to the Clear Clears podcast while I'm cleaning the kitchen or driving to work, and it's kind of a zone out time. It isn't. It's more of a passive listening. This is more of an active listening when you're taking notes. Um, yeah, and even asking questions of it. But you can look back at your notes later, and you can maybe be like, "Yeah, I wonder why Pastor said that," or "I wonder." It'd be interesting to look further into this or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's just as simple as. Um, Taking notes. I actually had a, a vicar um, who was very good at that. In fact, during the sermon, he w- he was a good example to the people. He was actually writing a bunch of notes in his bulletin. He was very intense about it. It was kind of fun to watch. So, uh, so yeah, take notes. Um, but it was a good example for people to, you know, it's an act of listening. You know, I think... You know, sometimes people say, well, I, I concentrate better when I'm closing my eyes. Well, that's great. But to me, that looks like a more passive listener. Right. You know? Um, and so I think taking notes, speaking of someone who I might have mentioned before in this podcast, that who, as someone who has attention difficulties once in a while, that that is something I use, even if it was a, like in seminary or something, a class where where I really didn't have to take notes. Just to write stuff down, help me keep from zoning out. Yeah. Number seven. Let your pastor know what really hit home for you. The reason why that's being a good listener is, like I said earlier, that is something that the pastor will tuck away as information. That will actually help his preaching. He takes those comments seriously. That's way more helpful than just a good sermon pastor is to say, um, you taught me this. Have you ever, uh, go ahead. Have you ever have you ever had 
<clears throat> the experience where when people do say things about your sermon, like good or positive, or they say, well, I really like this. And it's usually, it's usually the parts of the law and not very often the comfort of the gospel that they're commenting that they found really helpful. Um, I would say I, it's been a mixed bag, a little bit of both. Okay. I, I, over the years, it just seems like more often than not for me, it's it's when they feel either really convicted or really instructed on something that they make comments. So. Well, well, and I would say this: I would say if when someone does say that uh, they the the law really hit home, uh, I don't take that as as meaning um, meaning that uh, I think it means that it, it led them to consider repentance on. In yeah. a different way, I see, still would see that as a positive. Oh yeah, definitely. But, but, positive, you, but. but it's true that if, if you preach a really law-heavy sermon, you know, generally people will like that, especially when they consider that. Oh yeah, I sure hope so and so was listening to yeah. a good sermon today, Pastor. Which is not good listening, right? I'm getting, but I'm getting down low on this uh, probiotic drink. By the way, I'm almost done. I, I'm, I'm further along than you are. Look, I better step my game up, bro. Yeah. My stomach's already feeling good. Number six. Be intentional about applying the sermon to your own situation. What do I mean by that? You might think, well, you know what? You know, I he's preaching God's word, but I don't feel that this really doesn't apply to me. So you might think, okay, this is about loving your neighbor or something, or this is about um, this is about marriage. Well, I'm not married right now, or whatever the case may be. Um, to think that it doesn't apply to you is not true. The law always convicts. If you feel like the sermon doesn't really apply to you that day, then think harder. <laughs> right. Because there is there is something that you can and will learn and think about if you really if you really do it and if your pastor is preaching God's word now if it's like a, like a 10 minute discussion on how I fix my truck and uh, and I kind of I preach a sermon where it's kind of mostly about me and not God's word then that might apply but if he's preaching God's word then you should if you're not seeing it if it's not obvious to you keep looking Keep considering. Keep applying it to your situation, and then you will find something. Um, don't be lazy and say, "Well, that's not my kind of deal." Um, if, if that's your reaction to the sermon, you're, I think you can keep working on it. Um, it goes with our discussion earlier. I didn't get much out of the sermon, right? You know, if he's preaching God's word, well, then maybe you should uh, consider certain aspects of what he said a little bit more. It's kind of like hearing a sermon, actually, is kind of like eating food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a type of food. It's spiritual food. But if you think about it, how many meals do we eat where we really actually sit and and just take into account all the different tastes and flavors uh, and, and think about what we're eating? Or, you know, we, we're, it's so easy nowadays. You go to the fast food restaurant, you just... Yeah, you throw it down. Oh, that was good. Yes. Berg, um, Berg would say uh, inwardly digest. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, you could see that. Like, think that uh, 
you know, think about what you're hearing and, and, you know, what, what, uh, flavors, I guess you're yeah, take, and, taking in. And then, and, and that being said too, uh, you know, people may not remember particular sermons, but in the past, but pastors know they're still being fed. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They're still being nourished. Right. I don't remember what I ate three months ago on Tuesday, mm-hmm. but did it nourish me? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and helped me for that day. So. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Be consistent in your hearing. What do I mean by that? Well, um, if, if you're hearing the sermon uh, every, once every two months, you're not going to be a very good listener of that sermon. Um, if, if you really want to follow the rhythm of the church year and the lectionary, um, then, you know, one text kind of helps build on the next text, and there's a rhythm to them, whether you're talking about, um, you know, Lent or pre-Lent and all those things have a way of building off of each other, of leading you on a specific path and journey. And uh, it's kind of like um, watching, you know, 10 minutes of a movie snippet without seeing the rest of the movie and saying that didn't make sense. You know, um, the more consistent you are, and, and, and this is something that every pastor struggles with, is, is especially right now because of COVID, of having consistent listeners of the sermon. Um, but that really does really... One, it helps you learn to listen. It helps you realize that your pastor may be referencing something it said a week or two ago and building off of it. Um, and uh, consistent hearing every Sunday really does help you understand the sermon, uh, apply it, uh, uh, grow from it. Um, and so consistent hearing really helps your listening of the sermon. Yeah, uh- <clears throat> the more you also the more you know about the church year uh and what what themes are actually supposed to be uh highlighted through each part of the church year can really also enhance i think listening to sermon maybe you're going to get to that but uh but i i found that myself just knowing even within the long green season the long trinity right. season that there's there's actually little seasons within the season that right. um where, where you know, one at one point you're emphasizing faith and love, fruits, growth, that kind of thing, right? Because because sometimes when you have, when you know what you're supposed to be listening for, and then you hear that, uh, it, it sets in better. Yeah, I would say I kind of addressed it with my first one being aware of the text before. Sure, but yeah, I think being a part of that and the rhythm of that, yep, really really helps. Number four. Look past the pastor and focus on the word of God that he is giving you. What do I mean by that? Well, pastors all have different personalities. They all have different styles. Maybe you're upset with him and you're because you're angry with him for something. You don't want to hear the sermon that day. But uh, pastors actually, behind the collar moment, go out of their way um, to make a separation from their person and the word. Pastor Beisel does not want you to be thinking about Pastor Beisel when he's preaching. He wants you to be thinking about what God's Word has to say. And so, um, you know, your pastor might have, um, 
might have like a, a habit or something that might be a little annoying. Look past that, right? Uh, he may not be the most eloquent. Look past that. Um, you know, the pastor who is preaching is uh, weak. Oh, did I say say right? That's a right button. I I haven't been paying attention, but you said you said and like something along the lines of. Yeah, your pastor might have some kind of speaking tick uh, that bothers you, right? No. Oh, well, we 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 had a listener say we said we say right too much, and so Peter has a button that if we say right at the end of a comment, that gotcha. Peter hits the bra button. Right, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> See, you walked in mid lectionary. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um. But but that that what my point is is whatever things that you might even be going through with your pastor does shouldn't keep you from hearing what he has to say. This is also why I stand behind a pulpit and don't walk around um, unvested, because when you do that, you're essentially drawing attention to yourself. Right. I mean, that's why, for example. Not too many Lutheran churches, you'll find a clear pulpit. So you can see the whole pastor. Exactly. You know? That's just, you know, if you're drawing attention to yourself, I mean, even wearing robes is an attempt to to make a separation between uh, the man and the office, the man and the word. Um, And so look beyond all those things and actually hear what God's word is saying. And, but that might be take an intentional thought by you to going in and saying, okay, whatever those things are, whatever might be happening, whatever it is, okay, uh, I am in God's house. He's preaching God's word. Um, what is the gospel, the law and the gospel saying? And, and if you have to close your eyes because you can't stand the appearance of your pastor, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something that, that you should tell your pastor, right? Um yeah, Pastor, um, uh, your sermon was good, but have you considered brushing your teeth? Your gums were bleeding. <laughs> That's, you, know, you need to clip your eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Your beard isn't supposed to go halfway up your nose. <laughs> the mohawk really isn't appropriate for church. Right. No, it's a bro hawk. <laughs> bro. <laughs> Number three. Use the sermon as a springboard for discussion with your family or your friends. You know, um, I try and preach in a way that that might promote discussion. And you got if you got a ten minute drive, don't talk about what's for dinner. Talk about the sermon. Use that as. Uh, because you know when someone when someone when someone you care about applies it and talks about it, that might actually allow you to get some nuggets of truth that you didn't even consider. Um, and th- that is a great way to for parents to 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 show your children that uh, you really took time to consider the sermon. And uh, maybe there are some things as a parent you said, well, this is important. I know this part was probably over your head. Let me explain what he was saying to you. Um, yeah, and a lot of times they, 
the kids are listening a lot more than you think they are. Yeah. I, I used to think that when my kids were drawing or something or doodling during the sermon that they weren't really listening, but they actually were picking up quite a bit. Yeah. They were listening. They just didn't want to look at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be the first. <laughs> you got a face for radio. That's right. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, but yeah, use use the sermon in that way. Use it as a continual discussion. That is because sometimes a parent might say, "Well, I don't know exactly what to teach my children." Well, there's a there's a every Sunday there is a prime opportunity where you can explain or talk to your children or your wife about what what the sermon was about. Number two, uh, go to Bible study. Now you might think, "Well, this is a this is a behind the collar one for for." For um, for you, if you're kind of thinking about pastors and what they kind of think about, if we don't have a lot of people in Bible study, what happens? We feel as though we have to try and get all of the education notes in the sermon, and since no one's going to Bible study, I have to. If they're not going to hear it in the sermon, uh, they're not going to hear it, and sometimes it can actually kind of. Um, affect even sermons because uh, you want to preach in such a way. Now, obviously, you should be learning something in the sermon, but there's a difference between sermon, applying law and gospel, and Bible study. There, there are two different modes of learning. And and um, and so it does happen sometimes where, where pastors think, well, there's something I really need to address in Bible study form that we need to talk about. But when you don't have people in Bible study, then... It kind of, you have to, it feels though you have to go ahead and talk about certain issues in the sermon, which may not always be as helpful as it would in a longer form of Bible study with your Bibles open, with a handout and all those things. So it's also a good time to bring up those questions that you might have about last, say, Pastor, what, what did you mean last week when you said this? And then you got the whole Bible study group there to benefit from that explanation or clarification. Or you, or a pastor will get a question that you've dressed about 30 times in Bible study. <clears throat> you know, well, I never knew that. So how long have you been teaching that? You know, well, forever. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, to be a good listener in a sermon also, one the number two is to uh, to go to Bible study. That brings us to number one. And number one. Listen in person. <laughs> um, I understand. I really do. That in some instances, that's not possible. I got people in assisted living lockdown. And I know that people are afraid. But especially our young people, they're not going to hear it very well off a tablet, off a smartphone, you know? Yep. They are going to hear it best when they're in person. A lot of parents will, will kind of bemoan that, that my kids don't learn much when it's online. My kids don't learn very much when it's a Zoom class. Well, I think that also applies to, to hearing God's word. Um, uh, and, and preaching uh, is something where you have a preacher and you also can't have a preacher without people listening to that sermon. And that also helps 
uh, a pastor. What is easier for a pastor to preach, a sermon to a microphone or a sermon to people? Yeah, well, and, and when you this is what happens, too. When you take, when you're not in the context of the church, you don't see that... You don't see the altar in front of you. You don't see the baptismal font uh, when you're not sitting, when you're not there, unless of course it's like a video, right? And you may not see the pastor gesturing to the altar or the font or the cross mm-hmm. when he's saying something. And the scriptures themselves arose within the context of the 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 church and the the holy communion and baptism. You can't really understand the scriptures rightly apart from. That context. So, how are you going to understand the sermon well mm-hmm. if if it's separated from the churchly context? Yeah, the physical presence of those things. All right. So that is my top twelve list. We are getting short on time here. Um, uh, I want to thank uh, Hannah, our producer. She made for us a. Um, a uh, logo for our Maccabees. Uh, we had an episode where we were talking about Maccabees, and and uh, and uh, Peter said it sounded like a cross between Mac- McDonald's and Applebee's. <laughs> so look what she, look what she did. Ah, oh, <laughs> that is just special. Isn't that nice? That's nice. I like, it's like it work too. <laughs> it's hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, we have time for one quick answer. Um, we have an email from someone who wants to stay anonymous. Um, uh, and, and the question is this. Um, it asks, uh, talks about, uh, I heard from a pastor from an ELCA congregation in the Twin Cities preach a sermon and a children's message on Jesus casting out the demon from the Canaanite woman's daughter. Um, and as a link, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, to give you the link because I don't want you to watch it. <laughs> the individual made the comment multiple times that she finds comfort <coughs> from this lesson when she makes mistakes, knowing that Jesus made mistakes too. What would you say to someone attending that congregation? Well, I, I would say that the listening to the sermon aspect might give you some guidance, the top 12 list, Right. You know, look for value if they're preaching God's word. She's not really preaching God's. She's using God's word, but she's not preaching God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jesus made mistakes, we're all damned. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've heard that take before. Actually, I don't know where I heard that, but I I have heard that that idea before. I think maybe it was in some column in our newspaper um, that that Jesus implying that he uh, did not treat the woman in a good way, and therefore he made mistakes. Right. But he knew exactly what he's doing. Sure he did. Yeah. And and so, you know, it, Jesus had to be a sinless sacrifice for our sins. Yeah. For but, it to work. So that's the first comment. The second comment is, the question is, uh, what would you say to someone attending that congregation? I would say that you were not getting fed. Mm-mm. And you think, you know, we talked about how you may not remember specific sermons, but you're being fed. You may not remember specific servants in that context, but guess what? It, you're, it's feeding you poison. Yeah. It's harming you in ways that you may not think about or realize. Well, and how the person that 
that said that she gets comfort from that. How can anybody get comfort knowing or thinking that Jesus was not a perfect, sinless person? Yeah. Because there is no comfort in that. There's no gospel in that. Right. What would the, so that's what we say, and then what would you say to the false teacher? Okay. Um, one one common mis- misunderstanding about this is, is uh, and, and this is something that our synod has fallen into, to be honest, is when you have a false teacher and preacher, go privately and talk to them. Well, you know, following Matthew 18. But the problem is it's public. Right. If it's public and it's false teaching and it's leading other people astray, well, then that also then needs to be addressed publicly. So Stand up and start singing in the pews. That's right. That's right. Uh, call back to uh, Berg's hymns. He had a, one um, in hymns that are not in our hymnal that were in TLH. And one of them he references is a hymn that, that was sung uh, when they heard false doctrine, they would stand up and sing this hymn. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <coughs> so, false teaching needs to be addressed publicly. Publicly. And so, there you go. There's another question that's for Berg. He wants a, Berg to get a, on a rant on something, but Berg is not here. We will save that anonymous listener. And uh, so... What do you think? Your your first time in the studio to do an episode. Oh, that was that was great. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me in here. Yeah, had fun. Vicar, have fun. You're kind of didn't throw many throw much your way, but that's okay. Maybe next time. Yeah. All right. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Beisel. I'm Vicar. And may your probiotic be sparkling. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. You can edit that out. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Whenever you say that, it goes in. <laughs> okay. Not recommended. <laughs> this is clerical errors, Basil. I know. I'm. I'm like error incarnate. <laughs>